0: Uh, I'm still trying to get my breath back. <laughs> it's a lot of songs, wasn't it? And what a joy it is to do that on uh, Christmas morning, singing all these Christmas carols. And it's a, kind of like a special worship as we sing with our hearts and our minds. Worship being in spirit and in truth, and that's what it's about. Uh, we are accustomed to these uh, Christmas carols, are we not? We've sing them all of our lives. Sometimes we kind of sing them on autopilot in the sense that uh, we just we sing the words but we kind of forget what they're really saying and it's really easy to do that. We truly need to have these coming from our heart and knowing what they are equally from our minds. The word carol comes from the word uh, corolla which means a circle or even a, a, a ring dance. It was like a folk dance, in the sense of how that came out, and really, uh, the song that we're going to be singing is a Christmas carol, and maybe one of the most theological, if not the most theological carol that there is. Uh, It's tremendous praise to the Lord, all this Christmas season that we have been singing. It uh, is worth rejoicing, and doing it with all of our hearts and minds, and doing it robustly. And we're bringing to mind the incarnation of our Lord, and of course that's a basic tenet of our beliefs. Uh, Of any Christian's belief is the fact that Christ is the one who is God who came to earth and took on flesh. And we get that in so many of these carols. There's one carol that goes out and stands out, seems to me, more than others. In uh, 1872, the Church of England actually voted on the four top hymns, whether they be Christmas or hymns or whatever. The four top, and this was in the very top four. This "Hark the Herald Angel scene. considered to be the four, uh, one of the four greatest in the English language. If that means anything, it's a tribute to our Savior. Tribute to our Redeemer, Lord Jesus Christ. And it's one of the greatest treasures that the church has. Think of all the songs that we have and that we sing. Did you know it was because of Christians that the arts became alive? That music had notation and being able to put it to words and being able to read music. Christians did that. You look in paintings, Christians, believers, had everything to do with that. So this Christ made an impact. And it was an impact that affected everything. Even affected all the other religions because they recognized this Jesus Christ. So what a treasure it is as we get to take music and be able to sing it. Where else do you know where people really get together and sing truths like this? So... Uh, In 1739, Charles Wesley wrote this song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Charles Wesley wrote a lot of hymns, and we sing a lot of hymns. They're in our hymn books, and uh, they're on our PowerPoints and such. Powerful songs. Wesley uh, obviously was uh, one that would be the kind of the beginner of the Methodist church, which is very Arminian as much as can be, but he had a friend by the name of George Whitfield, who was as Calvinist as you can get and evangelistic as anyone could ever get. George Whitfield liked that song very well. What he did from his friend's song is tweaked it a little bit and it actually became what you could say, I guess you could say he Calvinized it. <laughs> And he made it even better. And so they had a great song. Uh, Wesley always thought it should be slow and somber. Although that never really went over well, and they never really had uh, the music to really punch it out with. As we sing today, it's amazing. There was somebody that came along, took those lyrics, and put it in with the music, with the lyrics, And it's with us today as one of the great treasuries. This man was a German Jew who became a baptized Christian. A Jew in Germany and one of the great writers of all time. He wrote a cantata in the honor of Johannes Gutenberg who made the printing press which is why the Bibles extended all over the world after that. God and His perfect timing right at that same time when things were robust and people were wanting the Word of God. What a, uh, I guess you could say a revival that was happening at that time. But this man took this song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and this cantata, and he put the music to it that we know today. And his name is Felix Mendelssohn. You ever heard of Mendelssohn? One of the greats. And this was about 100 years later after Whitfield and Wesley. And there came that song. And there you have three giants. Wesley, Whitfield, and Mendelssohn. God takes the arts, takes the preaching of the gospel, puts everything together, and oh boy, is it ever good. It's the best. Wesley and Whitfield tell us about the person of Christ in this song that we sang earlier the Prince of Peace, the Son of Righteousness, the Everlasting Lord, the Incarnate Deity, Emmanuel, God with us. That's a breathtaking reality, and it's a breathtaking Christology. Because the Christology here is as good as it gets. As we study His names and His person and His works. And so we think about God, the eternal Son who left heaven to come to earth as a baby born to a woman miraculously without a human father, a virgin birth, to save the sons of earth and to give them second birth. That is Christianity. We have in the first place joy, the herald angels sing. We have the message of salvation, the message of the gospel of the good news. God and sinners reconciled. We have fulfilled prophecy, born in Bethlehem. We have the exalted person of Christ. He is the highest, and he has the highest as the angels come and adore him. We have the virgin birth the virgin's womb. We have the incarnation, the incarnate deity. We have the doctrine of regeneration as it talks about the second birth. And this is just a portion. We are going to be blessed as we get to go in and study this hymn which is really studying Christology, theology. The scriptures are all there to support every term there. It's biblical. Let's stand, turn to Luke 2, verse 13 and 14. And this is where the angels come to the shepherds and bring that great good news. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men, with whom He is pleased. Let's pray. Father, great, holy God, as we think about your names, as we think about your works, as we think about your nature, we are in awe. And that's the way we're supposed to be. On Christmas morning, every morning, every Sunday that we come together, we are here to stand in awe together and just wonder Because you are wonderful. And so, Lord, help us have a new, higher view of you today as we look at this treasure of a song that's been given right out of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. basing it out of Luke 2, 13 and 14 and the first phrase here, you, you'll notice uh, we have the uh, lyrics on the uh, screens. If you want to take a hymnal, uh, get one. Sometimes it's you'll, you'd rather read from that. And so it, it's there. Just look it up. Hark the Herald Angels. In. Can you imagine a hymn book that wouldn't have it? I can't imagine that. Anyway, uh, we have the first, and I'm going to take them um, like a phrase at a time. Heart the herald, angels sing. And you can think about that for a moment and you would think, okay, I'm going to run out of uh, words to say and I'm going to go through these actually pretty quick for what I usually do. It's, uh, this is based right out of Luke 2.13 that we read. Suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. Heart the herald, angels sing. What we have here are the messengers and their message. Verse 1, we're going to put in two parts. Actually, three. One part is the messengers and their message. If you have a messenger, you have a message, right? The second part is part B. You have it on your outlines. It's the exhortation to us to respond to what? The message. And then part C is the refrain. So, here we go, here we go with part 1 of verse 1, the messengers and the message, and we're going to break this down. First phrase is the call to listen to the angels, what they're saying. He's telling us, hark, the herald angels sing. He's saying, listen, listen, listen to what they're saying, listen, listen to what they're saying. They are praising God, hark, the herald angels sing. The multitude of the heavenly host, as it says in our scripture in Luke 2, we know that that verse is about the angel had told the shepherds what was going on in Bethlehem. And so all the angels then show up, and the whole multitude of the heavenly host are praising God. But he's asking us to listen carefully. Hark! Hark! Listen! The angels! What are they saying? That's the idea. Listen carefully. And to the message, what they're bringing. So, we go to what the message is. And it's the next line. Hark the herald angels sing. What is the next word? Glory. And that's the key word. That's what everything's about. Glory. Glory to God. Glory to the newborn king. Glory. The message is about glory... Glory to God. Glory to the King. There's a birth of a King. They're announcing the birth of a King. And of course, he's basing this on Luke 2.14. Glory to God in the highest. God is the one who is coming here on earth to be born of a woman. And He is not a King, but He is the King. There's no King but Jesus Christ. He is the king of kings as we know. This is the message that the host of angels sing before the shepherds. Glory to the king of the universe. He's come here. Do you see the writer here was excited. Whenever he wrote this. You can imagine. Glory to the newborn king. He knew that that's what everything is about. And the king is here. Also. The next line says, Peace on earth and mercy mild. We're so familiar with these lyrics, aren't we? What does it mean? Well, the king's messengers are bringing a message of peace. The angels are saying, Not war. They're not talking about, There's going to be judgment. There will be judgment, But they're saying, Good news. There is peace between God and men. They're not announcing condemnation, but it's a message of mercy Mercy and peace, isn't it? Peace on earth and mercy mild. God has peace in the heavens where He lives, but there's not peace here in the world. There never has been since sin. And so there is now the opportunities so that we can become completely in peace it consists in the reconciliation of God and sinners accomplished through the birth of the king and, of course, his death. He reconciles himself to us. We couldn't reconcile, but he did. It makes me remember 2 Corinthians chapter 5.19. That's the reconciliation verse. It's lovely. It says, namely, that God was in Christ... Reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. God reconciled us to Him. We couldn't, but He did. We were at war with Him. We were at en- we were at enmity. We were enemies. We hated Him. He reconciled us to Him, and then He says. I give you this same ministry. Reconciliation. Go tell the world. Go tell everybody that he has come to reconcile man to God. So, peace and mercy consist in the reconciliation. Now, I said verse 1 has two parts. The first part is the call to listen to the angels. What is it? It's about glory. And then what is in that message is peace and mercy and that you can be reconciled. That is what our songwriter has already written. Is that deep theology already? It's incredible great news, isn't it? So the next line is this. Joyful all ye nations rise. This is part B of verse 1. It's the exhortation now to respond. What did he say? He said, listen to the message. We know what the message is. Now he says, I want you to respond to it. We just don't want to sit here and hear the message and it never affect us. When we came here, we came ready to worship God. We came here to sing songs, to read the word, to pray, to give God all the glory, didn't we? And that's what worship is. Worshiping in spirit and truth. And now what does he say? He says this, respond to it. and Joyful all you nations rise. You know what? We just stand here, we sit here in awe. We are amazed as we've just been thinking about this God and being in the presence of the Almighty King of the universe. And we praise Him, which is what we've been doing all morning long. We're doing it right now. And so uh, that's what He says stand up in joyous awe. All the nations rise, right? And the next part is, join the triumph of the skies. Remember that line? Join the triumph of the skies. What's happening in the skies in Luke 2, 13 and 14? The angelic hosts are proclaiming. And he says, join with them as they're praising God. I'll set this up with the next line there, right? Join the triumph. All the nations, stand up. Do it. And proclaim the same message that they proclaimed. That's what he's saying there. Proclaim that message. With angelic hosts proclaim, what is it? Christ is born in Bethlehem. What the shepherds do? Man, just like that. It said immediately they got up and they went to Jerusalem from Bethlehem. To seek out this baby. They couldn't wait. They didn't delay. They immediately did it. And when you hear good news, you cannot help but share it, right? And so that is what our songwriter says here as he takes it out of Luke 2. With angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. Uh, Beth is house, Lamb is bread. The house of bread. Jesus Christ is the bread, the bread of life, isn't he? And he was born there, not by accident. And by the way, you can say, what are they declaring with angelic hosts proclaim, with them, with all the angels? I have to think that there are angels around and are amazed as we sing to Christ. But you notice right here, this is the first time that we see his name here, Christ, or actually his position that he is. What are they declaring? This is the first time they use Christ, which is really simply the English version of the Greek version Christos, christening, Christ, or in the Old Testament known as Mashiach, the anointing christening, anointing Christ, Messiah. Christ is born in Bethlehem. The Messiah they would hear it as Meshach. Bethlehem. And so now that's what they would be declaring. The angels are, they're proclaiming Messiah has been born and our salvation in the city of David or Bethlehem just where God had prophesied 600 years before this. Through a prophet by the name of Micah. And if we were turned to Micah chapter five, verse two, we get a remarkable prophecy. How can you do this six hundred years and name what the a place where this one coming is going to be born? So I read from Micah five two, but as for you, we read this earlier. Bethlehem, Ephratah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, Bethlehem, a very small town, from you, will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. No doubt. This is the Messiah. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. That means he's eternal. The Messiah is eternal. The Messiah is God. The Jews knew that. And they don't to this day, it says Bethlehem, We have proof that he was born in Bethlehem. And so it's very important, you know, of nobody that's ever been prophesied and given where he's going to be born at. That's incredible, isn't it? And then we get to the refrain. We've done a verse. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. That sounds familiar. Yeah, it's the very first line. You know what he's doing now? At first it was saying, listen to what they're saying. You know what he's now saying? Hark the herald angels sing. We are now joining the host of angels. We are joining all of them to sing this. It's our own praise to God. Hark the herald angels sing. We're singing this. Glory to the newborn king. We are confessing that the focus of our hearts and lives ought to be on giving God all the glory. Let's move to verse 2. This is dealing now, we get to the person and the work of Christ. That is the first part of this. Verse 2 has the, the person and the work of Christ. Part B is dealing with the deity of Jesus Christ. And part C does the refrain. So the person and work of Christ as he was in the flesh and then showing that he's also deity it shows the man God. The God man. And that's what we shout during Christmas time isn't it? And so now he says Christ by highest heaven adored. He's already mentioned that word Christ, that position, that office, that Christos, the anointed one. Consider who it is whose birth is being announced. It's the Messiah. It's Messiah's birth. It's Christ. And do you know he is worshipped by the highest, greatest, created beings in the world? The angels. Christ, by highest heaven, adored. Now granted, we are a little lower than the angels right now. But one day we will, one day rule over them. How can that be? But there at this time of all the universe, He has the highest of all creation adoring Him. If they're doing that, would we not adore Him also? Because we have salvation. Those angels weren't saved from anything they never sinned. We know what redemption is like. He's saying, think of the little babe in a manger in Bethlehem as been adored by the greatest created beings that exist. The eternal Lord of the universe. Christ my highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. He's the eternal Lord. He's the eternal God. Always been from here. We turn to Second 2 Peter 2.11. I'm not turning to every uh, phrase of Scripture. We could certainly do that on most of those. I do have your outline there if you like to turn to those. By the way, if you're looking for a good, uh, maybe a devotion later on today or tonight, take that outline. And it's not that the outline is inspired, but the verses are, if you go to those and go to those texts, you can take this song and just break it apart and see everything open up. Second Peter 1... 11 says this for in this way the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you he has the entrance into the eternal kingdom he's the everlasting Lord he's the everlasting king he's the eternal king Peter says that. We have entrance into that because of him. So, uh, we see that they worship him as the everlasting Lord. The Messiah is no mere earthly king. He is the incarnate king of the universe that's eternal. That's who he is. No king could ever be eternal. Nobody could say that. Only the Lord Himself. Now, we get into the next line. Okay, Christ by highest heaven adored Christ, the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold Him come. Now, what's Wesley mean? He's late. He forgot to show up at one time. No, that's not what that (laughs) means. Their vernacular at that time needs to be understood. He's not saying that he's late showing up. He missed his schedule. No, he's saying that now, after many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, after there's been a promise of the Messiah, that it seems like a long time people have been patiently waiting. People born, die, die. Other people are born and they die. And yet, they still look to the Messiah and then he comes right on time. He is perfectly on time. He comes into the world in the exact way, in the perfect timing that God had always planned. And we go to Galatians chapter 4, verse and we look at the timing of this. We're looking at a lot of Christmas verses this morning. A lot of Christmas messages would contain these verses. But when the fullness of the time, or the, as Wesley said, the uh, lateness of the time, fullness of the time, God sent forth His Son, Born of a woman, born under the law. You see, Christ came at the perfect time. It's interesting that there was one language at that time. There had been the Greek um, empire that had come. Alexander the Great, anybody in history knows about Alexander the Great. And he conquered the world. Brought in one language, for the most part, to everybody. Today you think of one language, and it's hard to think that, but English is one of the most popular. And from what I understand, it's kind of a universal, if there is any such thing. Uh, You know, we don't necessarily speak Chinese, but a lot of Chinese, when they come here to our universities, they're already speaking English. And from other nations, you know, people in Africa that come here, they already know the English language. Isn't that interesting? Well, Greek was the same way. And so when Paul and the other writers of the New Testament wrote, they wrote it in Greek because it was a universal language. You see, another thing about Jesus is he left an impact on the world in such things as language, uh, as he never wrote the book as pinning it down. He he was not an author in that sense, but he is the author of authors. He wrote the whole book. But he's not known for being an author or a poet or anything like that. Uh, But there he comes at a time that's perfect because now the written language can be gotten all over the world. And it was during the time of the Roman Empire, Pax Romana, which meant... They now weren't fighting everybody because they had conquered everybody again. They were all under one and they had a lot of money. And they made roads all over the known world. Thousands and thousands of miles of road that was made. Those pavements, the rocks that they they used for everybody to be able to travel to. When Paul went to the cities that he went to, he couldn't have done it in the way that he did if it had been long before the Roman Empire. All of this ties in with the perfect timing of our Lord. And uh, so, you you know, you you look at how God is so sovereign and His plan and His purpose is always on time. And it says to us, be patient. Be patient. Be patient. Now, now, Uh, It also says, Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. We could get into this in the very depth, and over the course of the years, we have made a whole message out of the miraculous conception. He's come to the world in the most remarkable way. He's been brought into this world through a young virgin, and not through an earthly father, There is the Holy Spirit conceived in her womb that cannot happen outside of something supernatural that has never happened before or since. Cannot happen. And so the miraculous conception, that gives our thought on that. We move on. And then it says, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. So we're talking about virgin birth. By the way, That virgin birth, that miraculous conception, is found in Isaiah 7.14, which we did earlier, and that was during the time of Isaiah. We're talking 700 years before Christ. And it talks about, there's uh, one who's going to be born of a virgin, and he is Emmanuel, which is God with us. Wow. So now we get to... Veiled in flesh, the Godhead, see, hail the incarnate deity. The deity of Christ here means that Christ, the man, is God. Hebrews 1 3. I have to read this. This is uh, just overwhelming of the person and Actually, who Christ really is. He's the very radiance of God. He's the very outshining of God. He is God. And we read in Hebrews 1 3 and He is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature, and upholds all things by the word of His power. When He had made purification of sin, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is Christ, who is God. He's the Creator. He is very God, the very radiance of God's glory. There it is. That's deity. You look in Colossians 2.9, and it speaks that directly and it says, For in him, Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. When he was here on earth and in that body, the very fullness of deity was there. It was not that he was half God and half man, he was fully God in a fully being man. And the early church taught that very well. It's in the scriptures, they backed it up, and in the early church councils, they established. The incarnate Christ, the deity of Him. And so we look at that and we are amazed. The Son of God incarnate. He's not only the Savior, but He is God incarnate. And then we get that pleased as man with men to dwell. He was pleased to come here. He was overjoyed. He rejoiced to come into this awful, sinful, wicked world and be amongst His people to save them to make it possible. Christ, the incarnate God, is now amongst us, pleased as man with men to dwell. In the Old Testament, we see that God pinched a tent He had the people, by law, gave them the instructions to build a tent, and that's where God's glory was going to reside. And uh, we know, we look at Moses' law, and they gave him instructions, so there was a tent, cloud by day, fire by night. Eventually, David wants to build a temple, and God says, no, you will not be the one to do that. Uh, you are a man of of war blood is on your hands but we know there was a promise solomon was going to be the one built the temple that's where god dwelt then and then christ came here on earth as that baby and grew up and it lived it he was the tabernacle he pitched his tent john 114 gives us evidence of that through evidence through scripture and uh we look at these verses and it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us that word means tabernacle pitched his tent same way as having a tent in the old testament we saw his glory glory as of the only begotten from the father full of grace and truth and so there's the idea of deity being with mankind jesus did this as he tabernacle among people and now he resides in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God dwells here. This is how people see what God's truth is and we proclaim it. Glory to God in the highest. We tell them the news of Christ and then we close out that regular part of the verse, Jesus, our Emmanuel. Jesus means Savior, Matthew 1, 21 through 23. We read that quickly. It was taken out of the Old Testament. Of course, we see Isaiah in here and such scriptures. And we see that uh, we have an angel uh, involved here with Joseph. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. What does Jesus mean? Yeshua, It means Savior. For he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And Matthew, you know, comes along and says, which translated means God with us. We sang those songs that had Emmanuel in there, right? God with us as we sang and talked about the wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. A lot of those names are in right here. And what's the refrain? Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. That's what we're singing along with the angels. Hark the herald angels sing. We just saw the person of Christ. That's incredible. Now we go into verse 3. And this is where we get to, again, Christ is the focus of everything here. Have you noticed that? It's all Christ. It's all about Him. And so part A is going to be Hail Him. Praise Him. And then it's going to be the emptying of Christ's glory. The emptying. And also part C is why Jesus was born and then part D, the refrain. This is going to be a quicker verse. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. He is from heaven. That's really where he's from. And we are to claim the Prince of Peace. We've already seen that the message is to proclaim peace, and peace is him. By the way, he's given that to us, when you become a Christian, you have peace with God. You can never have peace with Him on your own, but it's all Him. He makes peace. He is peace. For the Spirit says love, joy, peace. Have you experienced that today? Is that in your life every day? That's what the Holy Spirit, who lives in us, puts out front people should see our love and joy and peace. They should see Christ that's coming from us. We are not God, but God is seen through our message that we have and our lives as we live it. And so, there is the Prince of Peace as prophesied by Isaiah, acclaiming that. Then the next one is Christ. There's the Messiah again. No, 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 I'm sorry. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Well, we talk about righteousness all the time I'm not going to elaborate on that too much here that's he is righteous. God is righteous he's the Son of God. Christ gives his righteousness to us, and we are proclaimed righteous or declared righteous, but it's from Christ, and so he's the son of righteousness, Malachi chapter four, verse two gotta like that book Malachi where's Malachi at I always like to say that whenever we go to that but you know Malachi you can say where's that at What's well, the very last book of the Old Testament why is it taking me so long to get there
1: because
0: my fingers are sticky. I don't know the pages are um, what do we have here son of righteousness right but for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you'll go forth and skip about like calves from the stile. You will tread down the wicked for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. And so he takes it from there. Hail the Son of Righteousness. We move on. The next line is light and life to all he brings. Who is the light of the world? Jesus said that he was the light of the world in the book of John. He says that in John 1. He is introduced very, very quickly that he is the light and that he is life. And to the Greek person, this is enlightening. He is the word. And that word is logos. To the Greek, they knew exactly what that meant. He is the very one that is focused on the word logos, the divine reasoning, the very divine reasoning. And that's now given to Jesus. And in John one four, after he says that, He says the light shines in the darkness and darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 4, in Him was life and the life was the light of men. He gives us light uh, and we have life. Eternal life. Wow. That's what He did. He gave us that. Risen with healing in His wings. Healing, He heals us all the time. We we get mended every day. Uh, we become sick, but he we become well. Uh, constant, daily, that our bodies are constantly doing it, but I think there's something much more that man needs. He needs forgiveness of sin. What's the greatest healing? The healing that comes... From the sin that we were so deeply embedded to, it was our life. And it makes sense as we go through this text here, is that He heals us completely. We are now new creatures. We're born again. Risen with healing in His wings. The resurrection shows that there is resurrection life. And even when we die, we will be resurrected. And that is the ultimate. He rose, we also arise. And then we get into what's an amazing theology. Now he lays his glory by. He laid by his glory. Philippians 2. This is about... And as coming in the flesh, he laid back his glory. He never laid his deity aside. He always was that. But he gave up some things, like a lot, of, a lot of things that he could have shown his glory in its fullest. But he held that back because he was here to show that he's like man. He comes to save the sins. He is God. But he holds back his glory in that sense. In Philippians 2, we get that great theology. Verse 7, he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being formed... In the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so at the name of Jesus, every name will bow of those who are in heaven, on earth, and under earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's no mistake about it. Uh, so... You know, it's like what he did. He he didn't grasp, he didn't hold on to all that glory. He had all the rights and the privileges and all the honors of deity, which he was worthy to get, but he came in the lowliest, humblest way that he could come, and he lived that way. And, of course, he died that way. He didn't cling to those things in his position, but he was willing to give them up for a season. That's the idea of laying it aside. He emptied himself, that's what the songwriter says. He he was born that... uh, 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 Molly lays his glory by. Next is you get why Jesus was born. Three quick ones. Look at this. Born to give them second birth. Born again. John chapter 3. Second birth. Or you think of John 6. All through here, I think of John 6... Uh, Next is born to raise the sons of earth to give them eternal life and also give them resurrection life to raise us to newness of life as it says in Romans 6, 4. And then he says born to give them second birth. Again, the new birth. John three seven, In that famous John 3 Jesus speaking to Nicodemus Do not be amazed that I said to you you must be born again. Born again. We were born physically but there's a being born spiritually and then resurrected to eternal life. Again 1 Corinthians 15 And the refrain is what? Hark! The herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. You notice the emphasis? The glory to this King who's been identified as Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to take about one minute at the most to get our application because we've done application all the way through here. Number one, what are the angels busy doing all the way through here? Praising God. That's what it's all about. Everything. That's what it's all about. The very thought of the incarnation should amaze us. The Son of God. He came here. And the angels are singing about it. They couldn't help but do that. This is what we are to be busy at. Number two, the message of redemption, which is what we've seen right here, is all about God's glory. Glory to the newborn king. He keeps saying it. Glory to the newborn king. It's all about God's glory in every aspect of all of our lives. All the universe contains God's glory. That's what it's about. Number three, peace. We saw it a couple of times. Peace on earth among men with whom He is pleased. Pleased to be with us. The peace that only God can give You know, this Christmas season, there's a lot of things going on in the world. God knows fully well what it is, what's going on. He's in total control. This Christmas season and all seasons, whether it be winter, summer, spring, fall, whatever the time it is or whatever is happening, peace. We have peace deep down in our heart and we have the news All the sentiment of Christmas and all the memories, and they're important, they play a big key role in our desiring to proclaim the incarnation of Christ and His deity. But we are here to embrace the One who gave us peace, who gave us salvation, who gave us light, who gave us life forevermore, Jesus the Christ. That is, is Christmas, that is Christianity. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear, holy, heavenly, mighty, everlasting God, Prince of Peace, You are wonderful, You are Counselor. You are the mighty God, (laughs) eternal forever. Lord, we are in awe as we are called to sing such verses that have been given to us as a gift, all based out of Your Word, all biblical as can be. And Lord, as we sing it, that truly it would honor You in such a way that You know that everything is coming from our hearts that You've instilled in us. Thank You for this Christmas season. We praise You. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's sing, since we just studied about that, and see if that takes on more meaning than we've ever had. You're on, right? Yep. Okay. Got everything on? Have I got the lyrics? Carolyn's got the lyrics over there, ready to shift them. Sometimes it takes a little bit for my amp to warm up, because I went and turned it off. That's me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> herder <laughs> herder <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you for coming
0: and make our worship uh, <laughs> this very uh, I don't know, man. I'm telling you, this guy just picks up so quickly. <laughs> it playing started playing. the just brought the light
1: back <laughs> in. Is that right, yeah. yeah. place Lay? I do i am not know what you to do right now i'm thinking about the internet and the shit Yes, oh, yeah. Yeah. The real yeah. snow in oh, Georgia, there's a nice rainbow. No where you know know. you got to love it. I've got it all. I Father sent his only son she's the one person I When I'm just smiling, smiling. I'm I think it must be the worst wretched because. i <laughs> We, we get this whole half I know what you has 19. Our refrigerator's out. i i That was cold outside.
0: There
1: and then like the Just, she's like us. We didn't we had like uh, two a, a, a refrigerator in the garage, refrigerator. and then there was a little small refrigerator in the lot of refrigeration and love you know to i <laughs> 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 Yeah, exactly i <laughs> it like like, what is coming? pictures <laughs> know, you
0: know I all
1: the I all footage everything <laughs> I, mean, I was I was so I I I I I mean, yeah, yeah. And it is I every want it. I told yeah. I mean,
0: I, yeah. I actually
1: need <laughs> 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 I hate I hate it. you, it? like, so, so <laughs> yeah,
0: like, I it.
1: Song. Uh, yeah. 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 I hate I hate When the are I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. not, 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 not <laughs> when well you runs the love runs deeper still. Uh, yeah. so, well, yeah. There's always yeah. the you, yeah. child, always and he always will. the kids of the house, they had the place. Like, night. Oh, the yeah. oh. <laughs> hey, so I think the inside. weary world choices for And In praise so. oh, so so the chorus, me, Let all my me, praise His holy name, In that we not in the city your king had no to know. <laughs> <laughs> you to know. Know. I'm I'm oh oh the come the kill the is there room in your heart is there room in your heart is there room Maybe. in your heart for yeah, God a to write oh, yeah. this story? around here. They used to. They did do that. This is but that a thing. they don't. Uh-huh. This is come down. Down yeah.